On today's show, a lot of heartburn over the proposed food tax increase. And the question, censure over impeachment. Representative Ben McAdams is on the censure train. Tune in Monday through Thursday, 9 to 11 for Dave and Dijanovic. I spent my college days throwing perfect passes and trash-talking BYU. And I spent my college career smashing Utah Utes' faces into the mud. I'm Jason Buck. And I'm Scott Mitchell. After our careers in the NFL, we still talk trash. But mostly to each other on our podcast, Rivals. We talk all things football, college, and NFL. A little bit about life and growing up rivals. Download it each week wherever you get your podcasts or on the KSL Sports app. Go Cougs! And go Utes! To take both of the, yeah, his expertise and um, you know and and you know the the network that he's built over years and um, and go make amazing things happen you know and so some, taking those same lessons in Rwanda and, and taking it to Guatemala and some other places but you know I think I think there's um, it, maybe it's you know it's different seasons of your career but you know if, if those that are approaching an exit and Welcome to Innovation and Leadership, where I interview uncommonly high achievers like top investment fund managers, elite special operations soldiers, startup CEOs who sold their companies for billions of dollars, pro athletes, Hollywood filmmakers, really as many different kinds of experts as I can. The whole idea is to hear how they did it and then what advice they have for the rest of us that can be applied to the organizations we're trying to grow and innovate. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed today's show. In part two of our interview here with Jacob Haney, CEO of Isumo uh, Story Agency, uh, we're going to be diving deeper into what we just were talking about at the end of part one. So if you miss that, really recommend going back and catching that. Um, but Jacob, you know the show here, leadership and people. Um, we've been talking on the first episode a bit more about leadership side of things. I want to talk about people and you know as a CEO how you choose where to spend your time and the, the benefits of being in the place in the right place at the right time and just kind of I mean specifically one of the reasons I wanted to have you on the show is to me you're kind of one of these people that lives that idea of like generosity as a competitive advantage you know I've seen like you were offering to you guys I know take on pro bono stuff sometimes and you were offering to help us out with stuff at the charity we started child rescue um, which turned into, you know, when I was uh, doing that work with the Vatican, Laudato Si, um, you know, asking if you guys would potentially be willing to get involved with that. And then I know that's led to other business. Can, can you talk a little bit about um, what it was that you feel like, uh, what it was at Laudato Si that, that really helped you guys decide this is the way, the way you want to change your business to focus? And then also just kind of this nature of, um, you know, you're not necessarily the most... Uh, arm waving <laughs> loudmouth kind of guy but you obviously know how to network can can you talk about this yeah yeah i mean um so rewinding a bit of it was um all six questions a, there <laughs> yeah well it was a it was a c4 trip to san diego and uh i'm trying to remember i think we're in a you and i were in a critical questions group and um and i think yeah as you were talking about your charity, you know, it's like, hey, if it sounds like something worthwhile, love to be a part if we need to, you know, um, and, you know, the, that connection and we, we had lunch at Sete Bello, um, you know, a little bit afterwards and tried to, 
to see how we might be able to, you know, donate some time to help help that cause. But then, yeah, this crazy thing pop up that was, uh, you know, turned into the Laudato Si Challenge. And, uh, you know, the, you know, I, the way that the way that it's worked for me uh, as far as like you know i mean i've never heard a phrase but i like that of generosity as a as a competitive advantage um that's just the way that i'd want to live you know uh, i sort of say that i run a business to uh, support my santa claus addiction um because i like sending people gifts and and surprising them or or you know being uh, you know doing doing things for people is how i feel fulfilled in my life um, but it's um you know, it's been interesting as, you know, Corporate Alliance helped me grow my business significantly, for, you know, uh, early when I was starting out. And and it's been interesting to see, though, like the lessons I learned from that, building like a business locally where I can, you know, drop in and say hi to someone or take someone to lunch. As, as we've narrowed our focus to, um, you know, cause brands and, uh, you know, more impact investing type stories, the clientele is really all over the world. I mean, we um, were starting a new project for an investment bank in the Netherlands, you know, that um, we met and it was just in Monaco meeting with people and setting up opportunities. And and it's harder to, like, stay in touch with people like that where you can't just, uh, you won't see them at the next networking event. But the same thing of, like, really listening to uh to them as a person, you know, and finding ways to, to serve them. And it might be just a handwritten note or, you know, they mentioned they really like this restaurant and sending them something. I mean, as a way to, to stand out from the crowd or be, you know, relevant and um, plus it's fun to give people stuff, you know? And so, so that's how th those lessons have still translated, you know, as I've, as the sales efforts are different, you know, for me. Um, yeah, what were the other questions? <laughs> well, no, I, th I think this is I think this is a good thing, and I want to talk about this idea of the way you've chosen to take in, to take the direction. You know, you look at these uh, big CEO surveys that Deloitte or PwC or KPMG do, and you know they're constantly covering things like how much anxiety CEOs, maybe from the baby boomer generation, have about adapting to the millennial client. You know, there's those people born kind of the 1980 to 2000 those 20 years in there is a huge portion of the population that are now having larger and larger portions of the the buying power uh, in society and so as they look at becoming a more purpose-driven organization or things like that um, can you talk about the transition and and just you know when you guys are flying around the world to make these videos for the vatican highlighting these businesses that are making the world better um, maybe just any way that you went about that that helped you get more business that way and just what what you've seen by trying to focus there? Yeah, I, I'm trying to think of the, how to rephrase that question. Well, um, okay, so here's my question. For the rest of us who might want to have our business do more good in the world, um, you're obviously able to leverage the, the work you did with the Vatican into now working with many of these organizations that are very purpose-driven, very, like, you know, for for purpose companies, you know, they're a for profit company that make that's making the world better. Any advice for the rest of us who want to become more like that? Yeah, I mean, so so one of the one of the first things that comes to mind, um, I think there's a common things maybe especially with tech companies or or it, it depends, um, but that um, 
well that you want to set up your own you want to set up your own charity that that has you know that you that that does your own good that you know and you have your own pet project and that and there's there could be a lot of good in that there there's also just so much redundancy in the nonprofit space or in the um, so I, I guess backing up I'd say do something do good and there's you know there's good and better and best ways to do that but um, but I think don't don't feel like you have to reinvent the wheel there's so many organizations that have spent decades figuring out processes and have the the organizational structure and the connections and resources and boots on the ground to make a difference and in it's often a, you know like you you burn a lot of that goodwill trying to try to trying to reinvent the wheel so to i think partnering with with organizations that are already doing good and and supporting them can can take your you know dollars further uh, you know, the, I think the trend that is is exciting is seeing that um, giving back or cause is is companies are starting with it out, out with it being more part of their DNA than just sprinkled on top at the end. You know, to kind of launder their their image um, is sometimes how it's seen. Um, but it can it can be something as far as if there's a there's a day a month we go and volunteer. Um, I, I think it, the more that you connect it to what you stand for and that it's um, authentic to you and that your motives are in the right place. I think um, you'll find something that, that is a good fit, um, you know, for the, you're a home builder and maybe your guys go and build a habitat house. Awesome. You know, for, um, uh, you know, and so I, the, the other, the other part of it is, I mean, not that this is an excuse, but I, but I think, I think realizing too, that providing a good culture, where people can earn a way to a living that can provide for their families is an act of community service. It really is something that makes our communities um, a better place by having a good place to work. And, and so look first internally with, um, you know, how you're taking care of your people um, because the, you know, it's, it's, it's a little, it can be a little scary even the amount of influence or impact you have on, those that you employ, like the you're, you make it miserable for them, and you that ripple effect makes a lot of people miserable. Or if you can make some them happy, and that um, can bless a lot of people, both their families and the the people they interact with. But then also, your your customers. I mean, I love Tony Shea's approach of you know we don't have to we don't have to um, they put they take care of the customer first, and when the customer's happy, I mean sorry the, the when their employees is is happy. They'll take good care of their customer, um, as opposed to you know over focusing on the customer and, and undervaluing the employee and having to put on a fake face that they're happy or that they're glad to do their job. Does yeah. that make any sense? Yeah, and I kind of want to go back to what you said about those, um, you know, whether it's partnering or or looking close to home first. Um, when you think about these, just you know, whether it's the large corporations or just the individual billionaires. And folks at these events, you know, um, that you're at, I know you're going to SoCap out in California coming up and just this world that you're a part of now. Um, who's somebody that you feel like is doing it right? Who's somebody that you look up to, whether as an organization or as an individual? Um, I mean, the, f the first guy that comes to mind is Eric Haar, who was the founder of Loud Autocy. Um, like, he has a uh, he's incredibly generous, big heart and is a... Uh, 
passionate and driven with what he's doing. Um, there's, uh, I mean, Joe Ritchie is uh, doing some amazing things, gathering like sort of this, uh, you know, amazing group of, of people that have quote unquote made it, but leveraging all of their collective efforts to, you know, make a difference in some developing countries and, and, uh, and a so, lot, yeah. So like a lot of people won't don't know Joe. I mean, unless they read the yeah. Fast Company article about going in in Rwanda after the genocide and helping really work with the businessmen and the political leaders and everybody to to grow their GDP back and kind of put that country back together. Is now like an advisor to all those presidents in Africa. But um, w when you think about Joe and and the way he interacts with folks, and it's it isn't like the look at me kind of show, right? Um, Tell me more about like what you know. I know what I respect about Joe, but tell me what it is that that uh, brought him up for you, or what what you think is different about him. Yeah, I think the. I mean, the like you mentioned, um, you know, you wouldn't you wouldn't suspect, you know, the the influence that he wields, um, but he he could easily have stepped back decades ago and lived comfortably, um, but he really feels like it's his. Uh, his duty, his mission, you know, and it, for him, it's, you know, part of his ministry, if you will, um, to, um, to take both of the, yeah, his expertise and, um, you know, and, and, you know, the, the network that he's built over years and, um, and go make amazing things happen, you know? And so some, taking those same lessons in Rwanda and, and taking it to Guatemala and some other places, but, you know, I think I think there's um, it, and maybe it's you know it's different seasons of your career, but the, you know if, if those that are approaching an exit and thinking what am I do next, there's there's so much good that you can do, but I, w I would say it, sometimes we we put it out there as far as like when I'm a billionaire then, but like I, th I think a lot of that starts with how are you acting and behaving now, you know. Um, well, and yeah, those... I want to ask about that because you you know you've. You've obviously gone through a lot of different staff over over the years of running your business, just like anybody. Um, can you talk about that of like both setting the example and then also like structurally having your organization be the one, like having it built into the organization to help every everyone on the team start to live it now? Yeah, I mean, and I, I only can speak to you know our our little boutique agency and how we've done things, but but we have from the beginning tried to. You know, you, you you try a lot of different things to to filter for for culture fit and your hiring. Um, but the two things that have come down for us that we that are sort of non-negotiables um, that uh, people who put people first. You know, so there we we like to be compassionate creatives. Um, and the second is that they enjoy a good problem to solve and aren't threatened or or scared away from that. And so, um, you so know, you're saying you screen for that when you're hiring. Yeah. And then how do you reinforce it once they are hired? Um, I think it's the way that we talk about, you know, uh, there, so when, when, um, when push comes to shove on things, do you, which corners are you going to cut or what things get in a forced hierarchy get put to the top? And we hope we try, we strive to, be sure that we take care of the person and the relationship over the transaction. Like so what, even what could be an example of that? Um, so, I mean, um, years ago, it was, uh, there was a client that, uh, we did, uh, 
it involved um, the project involved a lot of different uh, stock clips for this particular piece we were making, and um, when they saw the piece, they felt like there was, um, you know, it was about I think it was ten thousand dollars ish of stock footage that were going into a variety of things, and they felt like oh, they're when they had approved stuff, they hadn't they they hadn't really didn't feel like we selected the exact ones that they thought we were. So there was some miscommunication or something, and we just said, we stepped back and said, okay, what what do you feel like would be fair? What what would make this right? And we were prepared to pay the whole amount, like um, you know, not charge them for any of it. It was all somewhat on the table, and and they're like, well, you know, it ended up being um, we refunded, I think, a thousand dollars for just a little bit, uh, but it was it was I guess trying to be, you know, what like that that client though we could have burned a bridge there but they've they've represented probably half a million dollars over the last decade of business since that event so so seeing the you know it's it's seen the lifetime value of a customer but and that's maybe also a little like that's still f- transactionally focused but you know the the relationship the human being the the connection is far more valuable than just you know holding you know and you need to stand up for yourself at times and there's times where you know they it, you can't always do that but but that one stands out to me because of the the longevity of that relationship you know yeah well and it sounds like your generosity like you you're like your willingness to do that wasn't transactional willingness like we would be willing to eat this as long as we get your business you know that it was like the genuine we're here for you even if this is the last you know we'll eat this even if it's the last thing we do together kind of approach it sounds like yeah it has to be it can't it can't ever be uh, um yeah with strings attached but yeah yeah i love it I, i think that's a great place to end um we appreciate all the time you spent with us here hey you bet i'm happy to yeah. Um, as far as uh, if people want to come see your work and see your reel, where where can people check out uh, the stories you guys have made? Yeah, so the best place, um, our website, isimo.co, so I-S-S-I-M-O dot C-O. And the very first video that's going to show up there is sort of our manifesto as well. I mean, we created it for that Laudato Si challenge, but um, in a lot of ways it, it embodies our philosophy towards life and business, and uh, that, that gives a good idea of the kinds of things that we want to be doing, too, as we're you know, pursuing this new direction with, uh, with impact and social good. Love it. Thanks again. And thanks, Jess. Right. Well, that's it for the episode. One other thing I wanted to tell you about, if you remember the guys from Convoy, uh, in episodes back, Ken Free and Trent Mano, I went on one of their CEO trips to New York, and I met a guy named Brent Thompson, very successful entrepreneur. He was former CEO of Jive Communications, big uh, company now, I think three or four hundred million dollars. Anyways, he uh, he started a new company called BlipBillboards.com. I'm super stoked they're a sponsor now. But I, I remember a year and some ago when I met him, I thought it was genius. Instead of having to buy six months or a year's worth of billboard. Um, for thousands of dollars, you can buy eight seconds at a time for like 10 or 20 cents. You pick what billboard you want it on, what time of day you want it to run. And it just puts so much power in the hands of of marketers and CEOs who want to try something and see if it works. You can buy as many or as few as you want, change it as many times as you want. Uh, I think now our podcast is being advertised on billboards in like 18 different states because we have these guys as sponsors. We're pretty excited about it. Hope you check out blipbillboards.com.
Thanks.